Uh, <laughs> I'm at work, so it's a little stressful, actually. Hi, everyone. My name is Pat McMahon. Hey, everyone. My name is Amy Yoshitsu. I'm so excited that this is our first episode of Bring Your Full Self, a podcast of conversations focused on the intersection of work, emotions, the experience of being a person of color, and creativity. These first few episodes will be conversations between two people inside Converge Collaborative. Oh, Amy, by the way, what is Converge Collaborative? Thanks, Pat. Thanks so much for asking. Converge Collaborative is a workers' co-op that functions as part creative agency and part art slash creative collective. This means we work with clients to solve their design, digital product, marketing, content, media, and creative strategy needs. At the same time, we do projects like this podcast, collaborative endeavors built from our passions and our values. Over the next three episodes, we will be listening to conversations between members of Converge as we are all dispersed across the country and still working to get to know each other deeply. We are excited to be sharing our relationship growth with anyone interested in listening. Amy, you're actually the one who's kind of served as the center point and organized each of the pairs of conversations that we've set up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Thanks so much for mentioning that. I am the person who currently knows each person the best, and I thought about whose energies, passions, and interests would be the most interesting for us to listen to and provide a representative spectrum of what we cumulatively um, can be within Converge. The two people in this upcoming conversation are you, Pat, and David Rios, who often goes by Rios, so that's usually what we'll be referring to him as. I thought you two would be interesting because you both have engaged in music, radio, and sound, and you both participated in radio in your respective colleges. I also thought you might have overlapping vibes, views, and experiences, especially when it comes to work and creativity. Do you want me to re-say that? No, that was great. I'm sorry. I did just chuckle uh, just because I totally agree. Okay, great. That's all good. I love when uh, people respond with laughter because laughter responds to so many emotions or expresses so many emotions. So that's great. One, I just want to talk about one of my favorite things about this conversation. Um, one of my favorite takeaways was when you talk about your ambivalent relationships to the label of musician or artist. I think the conversation speaks to how a lot of people feel about their own relationship to the concept of creativity. What, like, what does it mean to be an artist or creative? What does it mean to think of oneself as that? I especially feel like it's often hard for people of color to lean into their creativity, especially when there's the tension between, for example, if you're doing music or writing and if you're doing it for yourself or you're doing it to share it or sell it as you two talk about, or you really committed to it. And how do you figure out how capitalist survival fits into that? Uh, I really love that you two have so beautifully mused on all these tensions in your own journeys and in building your lives. Another aspect of this conversation I really liked was I thought you both spoke so honestly about how we often feel about expertise. Um, for example, when you talk about APIs, I love that. And that you really got into the weeds about the terms, this term and tool and how we're also familiar with this. But many of us, unless you're an API engineer, don't have a level of expertise around it. And frankly, I don't want to hear a conversation <laughs> about uh, <laughs> engineers talking about API details. I want to hear how you two feel about your relationship to that term. I think a lot about technology and technocracy and hearing non-API engineers talking about their relationships to in their work and in their teaching to how students and other people relate to that term and then how you feel about it is really 
emotionally and mentally interesting to me. And I think it's just so representative of how so many of us feel all the time. But we're not just like going to bring up in a dinner party, hey, how do you feel about the term API? (laughs) So I just love that and how it speaks to the world of expert that we live in when so many of us aren't experts, but just like combating um, technology and how we interface with it. I hear that so much. That's really sweet, Amy. I really appreciate the way that you've listened to the conversation and and really pulled out some of those things. You know, I like your use of the word ambivalent. Um, I think I would probably tend to lean more towards a word like hesitant, you know, like hesitation towards um, towards calling myself an artist. But, you know, ambivalence really kind of ties into something that Rios and I talked about, which was you know, working on the the process, whether it's creative or, you know, like a more work setting, working on the process and allowing that to be just as important as the result. So an ambivalence almost towards, you know, the end product and and looking at the growth and the learning that comes from doing things, just setting out to do things um, as as an achievement in itself. Um, You know, talking with Rios, I, I really especially appreciated understanding the way he learns by doing new things, uh, particularly in his you know professional work uh, as a teacher and laying out kind of what his course and his curriculum will be, um, I came away from that conversation really seeing him as someone that carves out a path. Whether or not he sees that he's doing it at the time, he's really he's carving in a, a, a lane based on the things that he's hoping to learn, and then wherever that path takes him, the result is the result. And and I just I, I value so much the way that he has uh, built for himself a, a set of skills. Uh, just as a, a way of kind of filling his toolkit. Um, so, yeah, thanks for setting that up. I, I really enjoyed our conversation with Rios. Uh, I love that. Yay! Well, <laughs> uh, without further ado, I'm happy to introduce you, Pat, our audio engineer, our marketing expert, and our Chicago born and raised drawer and sound artist. He is in conversation with Rios, a teacher, a maker and tinkerer, and a Brooklyn born and raised cat dad. Enjoy! Um, how, how's your day going, man? Uh, <laughs> I'm at work, so it's a little stressful, actually. I guess it's it's not stressful as much as action-packed. Like, you know, um, it's all mostly good things. We're in the middle, so I'm at, you know, I'm at, I'm at a college, so it's finals period, and my department's really hands-on, and I teach a lot of hands-on type of stuff so as things get closer to the due date people want to meet and like can you look at my thing can oh this thing is broken (laughs) which i love like that's the part of my job i like the most actually is like the part where we actually do things and get hands-on not that i don't love research and prep but you know like i can do that on my own (laughs) for sure yeah can you can you tell me a little bit more about what classes you're teaching um, and kind of your general, um, like what department you're a part of? It's basically creative technology. So we teach coding, um, creative coding using JavaScript. We teach um, intro to electronics, but not really from like an electrical engineering standpoint. It's from the creative side. So we use Arduino as our um, like foundational platform. And uh, this semester, it's because it's you know um, fall. I teach mostly intro classes for the grad students as well as the undergrads. 
So all that stuff I just said, that's what I'm doing all semester. Can you talk to me a little bit more about the, um, the creative coding? Yeah, yeah. We use, um, we use a library called P5.js, which is like, it's JavaScript, it's front-end web, but it's all geared towards learning how to program um, using drawing using a drawing application, essentially. So like you draw a circle, you draw lines, and that quickly turns into like text. And, you know, it's pretty scalable. So you can do more sort of semi-rigorous kind of like looking for data and, you know, making requests to APIs and stuff like that. But but at its core, we sort of just teach like conditionals, loops and um, variables by drawing things on the canvas first. That's that's all like tremendously interesting stuff. I, I've worked, I mean, I heard you mention APIs. That's like something that I, that's like a buzzword that I've heard throughout my time in work and, and like, to be honest, have never fully understood a lot of the coding, a lot of the back end, a lot of the connections that happen in any of those um, kind of realms. So it's super fascinating to hear one that it's like, I, I, I guess the, the creative side of it that you're describing, like the, the, the drafts, the early sides where you're able to like visualize it. That sounds really fascinating. Um, I, I mean, you know, I, I guess I've kind of been in it a little bit, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's programming is not easy. Like part of what drew me to this program. So also like for transparency, right? Like I'm an alumni of the program. So like, I, I was very happy with the way I learned how to do this stuff. And actually, I didn't even know that this is what I would be learning when I was coming into it. Um, and, you know, it's hard to pick up. Like, yeah, it, it's it, the creativity comes later, right? It's sort of like you, we, the way I do it at least is, is you kind of just like kind of practice and try to like get those fundamental building blocks down before you can actually like even conceptualize something creative you know i try to work from both ends where i'm like well just draw it with your hands and like let's take it apart and see like okay well that's a circle that's a square if you combine them you'll get an odd shape right like you know there's so much interface to figure out with it like i don't know it's it's a lot to take on for um for anyone who's like first learning but you know it's also kind of amazing because by the end like i look at the progress my students have made undergrad and grad and it's like you know there's there's sparks of creativity and you can see when a student like oh like even if they don't get like all of coding which is impossible right like you see like they latch on to the few things they learn and it's like oh they in their minds you see it scale up and they're like okay now i get where the creativity happens it's like this is where things build on top of each other and this is where I can start to combine other things and oh now I have bigger questions cool like that's where I want to end the semester with you having like way more questions than you came in with that's great yeah I guess I really like the way that you described the building block aspect of it you know like needing to know what the components are that go into it before you can get creative and, and unpack or like rearrange yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, like, like, for example, like a lot of people come in, like kind of saying what you said before, which is like, oh, I've heard like the buzzwords, I've, like, what's an API? What's, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of curious, actually, like, what did, like, what was your exposure to that? Because like, from, like, from my perspective, it's, it, it's probably like, 
very different, right? Like what kind of, like you, you said you worked in, in agencies, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, I worked in uh, kind of a few different agency environments. Um, when I first got out of undergrad, um, I was working at a small agency, probably about like maybe 50 people um, in New York. Um, it was over on like 26th Street in Chelsea. Um, and then from there, I moved to an even smaller agency. Um, but kind of the, uh, the capabilities of what I was working on for the most part was primarily paid search. So Google ads, um, a lot of the API stuff that we would be dealing with would be linking, um, you know, some of the, some of the performance data on the front end to maybe a different, uh, attribution platform. Um, and, you know, even as I start to talk about it, I realize how little, I was fluent ever in it. Um, I just knew that two systems that we were using to report would need to to sync up with one another uh, to be able to pass information back and forth. Um, information really just being like um, click data, impression data, uh, number of orders that we were driving, stuff like that. So yeah, so I worked at small agencies for a couple of years and then uh, made a step to a couple larger uh, companies. Um, so yeah, throughout that time, kind of picking up different skill sets, you know, if a client needed, um, uh, a little bit of social and it kind of wasn't scoped in, I could hop on those kind of things. But for the most part, I was doing, um, paid search and, and, uh, search engine marketing. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I ask is because like, like you have the working knowledge of it, right? It's like, you may not have like the tools to like dig in and read through like how to actually manipulate any of this stuff but like such a big part of of what we what we at least attempt to do maybe not the first year right but like over the course of someone's time in this program is to get them to the point where they have like some of that understanding of like oh all I'm actually doing is connecting like one platform to another or like all I'm really trying to do is get like a, you know, a, a, some person's input and feed it into another person's, you know, system or whatever. Um, and it's like, that's, that's kind of like one of the bigger hurdles is just like really understanding like what you're actually trying to do. And then going one level deeper and saying, Oh, now I have to actually be um, literate in documentation. And mm-hmm. What is all this like garbly syntax you know, how do I turn that into something my brain can wrap around, um, you know, which is two different skill sets. And we kind of throw that at people like as if they're one, you know, which is not easy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's super interesting, too, because I find that at agencies, there was a lot of uh, that same sort of thing that you're talking about, where you're you're talking about two entirely separate disciplines that get routed into sort of one job. So the thing I would always think about would be, you know, if you, if you don't have a team that is, um, specifically interacting with the client, uh, you know, kind of an account based team, if you've got one team executing the media dollars that you're spending, uh, in my case, if you've got one team executing on like whatever the project is, um, and that team is also supposed to be tasked with like full communication of, with these clients, particularly, you know, some demanding clients in, in agency world, 
it can it just ended up leading to very little getting done um, in situations where you know you've got one team doing both jobs. Um, but a lot of people, particularly clients, wouldn't think of it as a um, a necessary divide. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I've never worked at an agency, <laughs> so my sort of my impression of that is like like similar pressure cooker vibes, right? Where you are like multitasking, you're trying to like, you know, kind of like figure out need versus like deadlines and just like accumulating knowledge and that kind of thing. Um, but like with the added overhead of like, you can't stop. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like you're trying to fix a car while the car like has to keep moving. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That the, the that metaphor I always would use during like a transition, um, you know, when we're taking on like a new, if we're onboarding a, a client that is was previously unhappy with whoever their old agency was, and then they want everything to get flipped on its head, um, while you're supposed to continue moving forward, it was uh, it was always really stressful. Very pressure cooker vibes, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned that you, you maybe had freelanced for agencies. Is that right? I did like super briefly, mostly like I never tried to market myself as a freelancer. Cause I'm, I just don't like that. <laughs> like, oh. I'm not, I'm not great at it. Like, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty far over on the introvert side of that spectrum. And you know, like the constant selling and dealing and negotiations like that. I I know I can do it if I, if I really have to, but I'm really happy I don't anymore. So when I do, when I did client work and when I do client work, it's usually off a recommendation or, you know, someone I trust works there or like the project seems so cool. And there's a person there who I know. So there's a level of like, you know, there's a level of, of, okay, this might be like pressure cooker, but at, at the very least, like there's, there's already like a tie in, it's not random. Um, so I've done like a little bit of hardware freelancing here and there, some minor fabrication, like my, I guess my core competency, if I had to put it that way is like general, like electronics engineering, but I'm definitely not an engineer. I'm like, someone who kind of puts multiple things together and gets, you know, I build like interactive sort of uh, devices or installations, you know, like, or I integrate one piece of hardware, like, um, you know, like what's really popular right now in in this space is sort of like VR and AR, XR installations that like break the fourth wall. So like something I had done in the past is like, okay, well, how can we integrate things like, you know, if you're in a VR space, like haptics or actuators or like other elements that aren't like the usual, like I'm holding a controller and it vibrates, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe, maybe there's a giant fan behind you that blows or like maybe there's like, you know, a heating pad under the seat in your flight, flight simulator or something like that, right? Like these physical elements that you may not see in any sort of like normal gaming or I don't know, uh, um, showcase context. There were a couple of terms that you dropped in there that I was unfamiliar with, and fabrication was one of them. Um, can you define digital fabrication for me? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, like um, fabrication in general is just building 
stuff, right? Like, um, you know, I can get a piece of wood and frame out a door or something, right? Or like carpentry or, you know, metalwork, welding, fabrication. So digital fabrication is like machine assisted, that stuff. So like the the spectrum's wide. If you've heard of 3D printing or like CNC milling, right? It's just like multiple ways of like either cutting or turning things with the assistance of the machine. So mostly what I do is like I draw a 3D thing or a 2D thing on the computer and then I feed it to the machine to cut it out. Usually it's cutting in my case, um, but I've done 3D printing. I worked in a 3D printing lab um, at a previous job. So, you know, like, yeah, that's most of that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Um, and then when you were talking about really taking kind of two separate systems, putting them together, it reminded me a little bit of the what we've talked about before in your instrument building. Um, and I'm, I'm curious how you see those two things coming together, you know, in, in, a, in a very work sense. Uh, putting together two things and then in, in, you know, more of a creative and passion-based area, like putting two, putting things together to make your own instruments. It seems like that is a connected thread between both like your work and some of the more creative ventures that you explore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe we're, we're kind of similar in this case too, because like, I know like part of the reason why I'm here in the first place is because like specialization kind of scares me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Right. Like, you know, I mean like I, and part of its interest and curiosity, right? Like I like knowing stuff and how things work. And usually like you get to a point where like things connect to other things. And like, I found like this program where like, that's kind of like, the majority of it and you know m- mostly like if, if we're talking like creative passions or something like that like you know for the most part i actually am mostly driven by like learning a new thing um i still love music obviously i build instruments mm-hmm. not as much as i'd like to so but like usually like i'll use i'll, I'll that's like that's like that's like my workflow is like oh I need to learn or I want to learn something. Um, And it's okay if it's needed because, you know, usually my job requires that. But then I'm like, well, how do I make this like fun for me? Oh, what if it makes sound? Or like, what if this is another way of making an instrument? Um, And sometimes that's like a really fucking terrible idea. Can I curse on this? (laughs) I think we're setting the rules. Yeah, we're setting the rules ourselves. I think we can. (laughs) Sometimes it's like the worst idea ever, but like it's also sometimes the worst idea is like the most fun thing you do, you know? So yeah, absolutely. I try to let that, I don't know. I try to let that kind of just exist. And like, sometimes you got to just throw something away and that's sad, but you know, that's also part of like learning and building and making things. Right. Like you're a musician, right? Yeah. I have such a hard time um, calling myself any of the things that I do. Um, yeah, I, I, sure. I, I really struggle to call myself a musician, but I, I like to make music. Um, I don't know what that, I don't know what all of that is. Um, kind of the struggle to define myself by the things that I enjoy doing. Um, but I think it's tied up in like, you know, you are my, my kind of being raised on the idea that you are the thing that 
you do for work for professional, you know, like, um, it always felt frivolous to want to be an artist of any kind. Um, and so I'm trying to like allow myself to, to regardless of whether or not I'm able to give myself those kind of labels, just make the things, um, because the output is like far more important to me than like how I can or cannot kind of call myself to other people about it. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. I mean, I, I don't, I also do not call myself an artist or a musician or any of that stuff, really. Like, I'm not classically trained. I'm not, you know, I don't have any of that background. It's all, it's all just stuff that I picked up and somehow I just keep going or dropping or coming back to stuff, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I always thought that was kind of lame, like, that you you had to be the thing that you do, you know, all the time. Like, Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you there. And, like, um, I don't know, just the the classical training is, is definitely another part of it for me. I always thought, like, if you're a painter, it's because you went to school to paint, you know? It, it's not just – otherwise, you're a hobbyist. That's kind of all the always the way I looked at it. Um, but yeah, the, I I don't know, it's been really freeing to just do the thing, to practice it, to get better, to like, like you said, just pick up new things, put them down when you're kind of either burnt out or you've kind of wrung out all that you can out of them. Um, and then just find new things that you're enjoying to do. Cause like for the longest time, you know, I, I loved drawing when I was a kid and for a, a really long stretch in my teens and 20s, I, like, wasn't drawing. And I've recently gotten back to it kind of with the help of someone that was just like, yeah, man, you just got to do it. You just do it. Like, you just draw. You don't worry about whether or not it's going to be perfect on the end, um, which is another big hang-up for me, is, like, wanting the output to be solid or, or something I can be proud of as opposed to practice for um, – practice to just get better or, or or even if it's not practice to get better just something to to spend your time doing um that you enjoy um so i'm trying to get back into the relationship of those sorts of um enjoyments kind of get out of my hang-ups around a lot of those things yeah no that's that's super important that's kind of why i brought it up because that's you know that that was a big realization for me and and i think it actually I never really realized it until I started getting paid to do it, but it's like, this is not enough time. Like if you're, if you're the type of person who wants to do a lot of stuff, you have to be willing to just like try and throw stuff away and like, just do it. Right. Like the sketches, like keep the sketchbook, throw the sketchbook away. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, like it, it is precious. Like when you go back to it, you know, potentially, but like, in the moment, it doesn't have to be perfect and you don't have to write the perfect song. And it's almost more valuable just to like, you know, like I play guitar, like, and I haven't done this in years, but like when I felt most like musician-y, it was the kind of thing where I was playing every day and I'd like record three minutes of whatever was on my mind. And like, I have not touched or played any of those songs since, but I felt like I was making progress and it forms a lot of the stuff I do now, even though it's like, I'm not really playing anymore. 
Yeah, that absolutely. Uh, I can totally relate to that. Like the progress piece and also just the, just the, the jotting down, uh, whatever the format is. I'm really trying to get better about um, writing things down, either like to-do lists or uh, little, little like patterns of words or sentences or just random ideas even. Trying to write things down is um, something I'm really getting back into because I, I find then when I like flip through my notebook, it'll be an idea that I've maybe entirely forgotten. Um, but because it was written down, I'm coming back to it with like fresh eyes. I'm coming back to it at all is probably a huge piece. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's been fun to flip back through a notebook of seemingly disconnected nothings and like to see that there's something there, you know, to see that almost to see the forest for the trees, like you're adding trees here and there and you don't realize like what you've actually put together is something cohesive. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you? Um, right now, it looks like just these really scattered notebooks where it'll be like like one page will be grocery list, and then the next page will be like uh, you know five chords that I think sound really nice together. And then the following page will be uh, a drawing that I've done using just two colors and a black pen, uh, trying to figure out maybe maybe multiple different images using just those same two marker colors um so just like a very eclectic um kind of taking some of that i forget the word you used the preciousness right away from the notebook the sketchbook like trying to keep it from being something that needs to be pristine and like presentable and almost by the uh, you know, filling it out, bursting it at the seams, it becomes presentable because it's full, because it's completed. Even if it's not, even if each idea is not brought to its full conclusion, it's nice to just like have had enough thoughts that you could fill a thing. Um, so that to me is like the progress. And, and that to me is like the validation that like the work I'm doing, it doesn't have, I don't have to call it art but it's meaningful to me. And, and I might feel sheepish to call it art to anyone else. Um, cause I, I think I have a, an issue with sort of like you were saying with the freelance stuff, like I'm introverted. I don't really like selling myself. And a lot of art feels like you got to sell yourself. You got to really put it out there. And what's nice is that it's like, it's just for me. If I want to put it out there, maybe I will sometime someday in, in some format, but for right now, it's just so wonderful to remind myself that I'm able to do these things that I'm capable, you know? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I struggle with that. Right. That concludes part one of a conversation between David Rios and myself. Part two of that conversation will be available wherever you're listening right now and will be released in one week. Bring Your Full Self is put together through the collective effort of the members of Converge Collaborative. A special thanks today to Rios and Amy and to you for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our group, our work, or would just like to say hi, you can reach us by emailing converge at convergecollaborative.com or on Instagram 
at Converge Collaborative.